everyone. Welcome to episode uh, number 29 of Great Quarter Guys. This is your host, Andrew Cox. I'm here with my boss and my man, Kevin Hill. How are we today? We're doing great today. We are doing great today, ready for a great show. Yeah, we got uh, we got a big one lined up for you. We have uh, we've been doing earnings recaps for the last couple of weeks. We've decided to go a little bit of a different route today. We're going to have our man Ryan Schreiber from Carrier Direct on. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about different strategies that we think uh, that we've seen uh, that will be the best to get out of this recession. How to how, what what do companies do that end up becoming stronger through a recession and come out as market leaders? What are their strategies that they employ? That's what going to be the main topic of our discussion. It, it is, and it's based on so, somewhat based on a Harvard Business Review article that, that we all read, all three of us read uh, recently, and it's all about uh, going into a recession, coming out of a recession, what strategies worked best for the, the winners coming out, the ones who grew sales, grew profitability uh, the, 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 the most rapidly. And, you know, is that being proactive, playing offense, defense? Is it a mix of both? Sounds a little like uh, football as well. Yeah, it will definitely. Uh, I think it's going to be a mix of both. We'll have Ryan on here uh, after our first commercial break in a few minutes to discuss that. Uh, but before we get into that, we'll talk a little bit about uh, updates to our last week's long and sh- our long shorts. They were both long-term ones, but it's it's fun to talk about it a little bit. See where they where the rumors have moved in the past week. We we talked about two possible acquisitions. Uh, the first one was Amazon. The rumor that Amazon may be circling around AMC. That one's kind of fizzled. I haven't I haven't heard much of that since since we last reported. Uh, yeah, but, I haven't heard anything about it myself. Uh, but the other one is that Uber was looking to acquire Grubhub. This would make by far the largest uh, food delivery service in America. It would, it would take up 90% market share if that were to go through. I've, I've heard a continue, continuing rumblings of that, uh, but we've also heard a lot of other news about Uber coming out this week with more more layoffs. And uh, we, we just heard from Bill Dreigert that, that Uber Freight is focused on profitability and focused on the future, but you mm-hmm. know we hear conflicting messages ar- around it. So so who knows what Uber's doing right now? Yeah, Wall Street Journal came out with an article uh, announcing a new round of layoffs. takes a, takes Uber up to about 20% layoffs. Uh, reinforces the Grubhub uh, kind of rumor that that's out in the market right now. So you have those two pieces, and you know, going into a recession, and they are looking where to to cut co- cut costs and, and make their bets. And we had Bill Triggered. Who's, uh, who runs Uber Freight on the coronavirus freight market update uh, a couple hours ago, uh, our, our noon show, and that's on demand. So you can see that interview is at the 12.40 mark or around the, the 12 or the 40 minutes into the show mark where we interview view Bill about Uber Freight and, you know, the the, the, the story of their demise is over-exaggerated, as, as Mark yeah. Twain said. So, uh, yeah, you can see that on, on tv.freightwaves.com. Yeah, you know, of course, Bill is going to have to come in and be positive. But he did give me a lot of. He was very encouraging uh, and made me think that that Uber Freight it may it may actually survive this. They may look to to get rid of the autonomous vehicles um, market or or some of their other big bets. They have a lot of uh, a lot of places they've gotten into. You know, they've recently gotten out of the jump uh, bikes and scooters. They've gotten out of different markets like India and China. So we don't know if Uber Freight's on the chopping block. But he he seems confident, and, and I don't think they are actually. Yeah, and I think it has a lot to do with how rides recover. You know, they were down eighty percent rides their main business line was down 80% right. in, in April. So we'll see how that recovers and how that generates cash flow for all the other big bets. But uh, yeah, the Harvard, the, the Harvard Business Review article that, that, that we're referencing, uh, it kind of goes hand in hand with, with Uber's position right now, uh, where to basically play offense and where to be defensive. Right. No doubt. Uh, so let's move on to one good piece this week before we move off to a quick commercial break and bring Ryan back in. So my one good piece this week, again, 
guys, I don't know what to tell you, but this this data keeps getting better. The Bank of America credit card and debit card spending data, that is what I'm referring to. Uh, we can flash it up here on the screen here, and you'll, you'll take a look while I talk through some of these things. Uh, we'll start from the, my key takeaways from the very bottom, the, the, the last line. The total card spending is only down 10% year over year for the trailing five days of the, of the last day of data we have, which is the 7th of May. That's a major improvement from the previous week when total card spending was down about 20%, uh, and that's up from almost negative 40% in the first week of April. So a massive growth in the month of uh, in the month the end of month of April and into May. The next thing I want to look at is that retail spending, excluding automobiles, it's now positive year over year. This is absolutely astounding to me. I would have never guessed that retail spending, whatever, uh, would, would be up year over year uh, during one of the worst recessions we've had in in many years. So I'm I'm very happy to see that. That gives me a lot of confidence. Uh, number three is the, re- the restaurant spending is now up uh, to two-thirds of pre-crisis levels, meaning that, uh, you know, we, we've, we've returned a little bit to the restaurant already. You know, they're going to they're gonna have less capacity. They're not going to – that number is not going to pop up to, to 100 percent uh, as quick as the others. And then the last one is that online electronics number, which we'll discuss a little bit more uh, in more detail later on when we do some long shorts. But that's been crazy growth. And I guess home improvement is still roaring along. It is, yeah. It's, it's still up The 30%. one big bright spot. You know, it's consistently been up 20, 25 percent uh, since this uh, pandemic. And I guess that's uh, that's what happens when everyone has to stay at home. They start renovating. Yeah, they, they start renovating. Uh, you, you know, they also they had to start cooking at home. The grocery spending has returned after a little bit of a lull there in April. Uh, it's now up 30 percent year over year. So. Uh, you're, you're seeing that pop back up, and and just I'm just amazed, Kevin. What do you, I mean? What do you make about uh, about retail spending being up? I mean, over over two percent for the last five days of our data. Well, another interview that we did on the coronavirus freight market update was Lorianne LaRocca, right? And uh, and. and she, she has some really good consumer data and freight flow data showing that a lot of those are essential and consumable items and mm-hmm. that the department stores, and I can see it right here uh, on the chart, department store retail sales are, are, are way down. Yeah, they're down the trailing, 40%. Tra- trailing five days, at least 35% yeah, down. 40, yeah, 40%. So uh, it, you, you have a mix. So the, the mix is, is changing from discretionary or, or, or clothing kind of retail brands to those essential items. And I, I think that's... That's a, a good narrative to, to put on that. Is that it's the spending is up, but it's shifted to to, to essentials. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned that away, especially away from department stores. Because next week I'd like to we're going to have Seth Holm on uh, another person on our on our team here. We're going to talk about the kind of the future of malls and how uh, this mix of online spending is becoming a, is becoming a higher mix of total card spending and and what's that going to mean for malls? We're seeing massive um, closures at J.C. Penney and Neiman Marcus and, and other stores. So what is that going to mean for malls? That's and we have some really good, good charts that, that we're going to roll out next week uh, describing and, and really gives, gives great visuals on how e-commerce has changed in, in the last 10 weeks and how that's going to be a wave of future and in restaurants as well. Yeah, so definitely restaurants. restaurants I think, I think Seth, you know, Seth covered uh, consumer staples and mm-hmm. consumer uh, consumer goods at a, at, a, at a hedge fund for nearly 10 years. So he knows this market better than anyone here. Uh, so he's going to be there to, to give us some insight into the malls and some restaurants. Uh, but we will be, uh, we'll be on that next week. You're the restaurant expert. Uh, yeah, I, will, I mean, I do, I do restaurants. Yeah, I think you I have do. a little business. But uh, we'll be back right after this break, guys. Thanks. Yes. Hey guys, it's Dooner. Catch myself and the dude live at noon Eastern time on FreightWave's LinkedIn and Facebook every Monday and Friday as we break down the top headlines of the day with the biggest names in freight. The show is live in your ears and interactive. Be there. You are listening 
All right, welcome back uh, to Great Quarter Kai's episode 29. We are about to jump into our discussion with our man Ryan Schreiber from Carrier Direct. Uh, I think he's joining us now. How are we today, Ryan? Good. How are y'all? I'm good. I can see the beard is still going strong. No, no shade still in that going thing. Strong. By the beard of my Zeus. wife's trying. My wife every single day is trying to convince me to let her trim it. I said she lets me trim her hair. She can trim my beard. So far, no go. That that does seem like a fair. That seems like a fair bet. A fair exchange. Yeah. Right. She's not a sports fan, so she doesn't get the playoff beard. The Corona beard. She mm-hmm. doesn't get it. So. Right. Uh, well, cool. So let's let's jump right into this discussion. Uh, you know, this is based on you know we're basing this off this HBR article that uh, that you shared with us that we wrote, and and this article was really talking about an empirical study that uh, these two researchers did on the different strategies that companies employ to survive through a recession and how they get ahead during a slow growth, and then how they're ready to win when the times return. Uh, so they analyzed 4,700 public companies uh, during three recession times: the 1980s crisis, the 1990s slowdown, and the dot com. Uh, bubble burst in the 2000s, and they studied these companies for three years prior to the recession, the years of the recession, and then three years post-recessions. And their findings were quite stark. So, 17% of those companies that they studied did not uh, did not survive one of the recessions, and 80% of the companies never reached, or after the three years, hadn't reached their pre-crisis sales and profits levels that they had uh, pre-years three years prior. Uh, and then only a small number flourished. It was 9% of the companies uh, who actually were able to emerge as a market leader, and that's who we're here to talk about today. So to start it off the top, why did those 9% uh, flourish and the others did not? And and just just, just for, to highlight, it's roaring out of the recession uh, from the March 2010 edition of the Harvard Business Review. Go ahead, Ryan. Sorry. No, yeah. I mean, the nine, the nine flourished by being really, really intentional, right? Uh, 21% of firms uh, like we're able to pull ahead of their competition if they cut, which was you know the lowest amount of 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 companies uh, or of, of of success. And so it was really about an intentional mix of playing offense and defense. I posted about this on LinkedIn earlier this week, where uh, you know the, the the companies that really really succeeded, their mentality was different. Instead of saying we need to get from five dollars to one dollar. Or instead of saying we need to spend more and be really, really aggressive, that only gave you a slightly better opportunity, 26%. They said, we have $1. We have $1 to spend. What's the company we need to be in the future? And how do we invest in certain places and cut in other places to make sure we get there? And that is the mix between offense and defense that it talks about in the article is is a lot of times you have wasted money on wasted projects or things that that maybe you're, you're maybe your cash generators of the present and the past, but maybe not future. I mean, you take a pandemic like we're going here, and we've been talking about retail and and restaurants and and all kinds of different businesses, that that the future is going to be much different than the past. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and and it's even more uh, important when we look forward to have flexibility, right? I mean, Consumer preferences have always have been shifting incredibly quickly. They'll be shifting even more quickly now. Supply chains are going to be changing, and we're not sure what that's going to be. So as an example of, uh, you know, trucking companies that are going to go out and buy a bunch of new trucks, that might not be the best strategy in the future because capacity, having those trucks may not be the best way to win. You've got to really look forward and say, what's my advantage and how am I going to invest in that? 
to be the company I need to be in the future, not a better version of the company that I am today. So you say that, you know, we, it needs to have this progressive or this pragmatic approach where they have to play offense and defense. Let's talk about the defense a little bit first. So talk about some of the problems with just going after cost cutting. And and I guess my thing is that the take, my takeaway from this was that they need to focus more on efficiency, on operational efficiency, rather than trying to do more of the same uh, with less people or with less money. Is Would you, would you consider that correct? Yeah, absolutely. I was just on a call right before this with the Foundation for Strategic Sourcing, which is a large trade organization for manufacturers, uh, uh, CPGs, and contract manufacturers. And I talked with them about how um, you know their business is uh, focusing on how to get drivers in and out more quickly is even more important now as they're thinking about how to not have uh, how to limit exposure. But even second level things, right, like how to dynamically deal with appointments because they can't resource people in the warehouse the same way they used to. So really drilling in on those efficiencies from a defensive perspective and being intentional about what the reality is in the future uh, to, to invest in those inefic- uh, to invest in those efficiencies. What do you think? I if we just go go back to supply chains, I mean, there's definitely every supply chain has been stress tested over the last 10, 12 weeks. Uh, and those, the supply chain is going to look different coming out of this than it, it, it did coming into it. So would you say that uh, the, the best offense-defense play is to, is to adapt to that environment smartly and create efficiencies that way? Absolutely. It's about prioritization. I mean, a lot of the work that we've been doing recently with our customers is around prioritizing prioritizing the parts of their business. And so flexibility, I talked about a minute ago, but the other part is flexibility, Kevin. So, uh, or excuse me, it was, is prioritization. Mm-hmm. So absolutely, every business is different. Every business has different needs. And so there's not just one solution for all. That's the problem with just slashing across the board, right? Because your business needs something different than somebody else's business. You need to prioritize your cuts and also prioritize your offense. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because uh, one of the other things that I've noticed w- with with cutting, with cost cutting across the board, it's typically done by the finance department and they don't often uh, discuss it with all the other different divisions within a company. So it's sometimes people that don't know exactly what uh, that company or that division brings to the table uh, that gets slashed. But uh, another thing that I wanted to discuss with you was uh, that there was a certain subset of those progressive winners that, that had the best, the highest probability of winning. And those were people that they were really selective about their defensive moves, but they were they were quite comprehensive in their offensive moves. They uh, developed new business opportunities, looking for different markets. They increased R and D than their and marketing than their competitors. So, talk about that difference between uh, being really selective on defense, but but being pretty uh, comprehensive on offense. Yeah, you know, it's again, it goes to that idea of looking through the windshield and figuring out who you need to be to service or to be the business that you need to be in the future. Again, like not about being a better version of the business you are today. What new mark? What this new reality? What new markets are going to open up for you? Right. As an example of some of the things we've been helping our clients with, are things like what are your strategies for using nearshore and offshore for some of these really low, low friction, um, low low friction jobs to to be able to use that for? Right. You're going to be cost conscious. You need to be more cost conscious in the future. And so, how are you, how can you do that um, aggressively? Thank you very much, Ryan. We're about to go to a break here. 
What's up, Glengarry's? It's Dooner. Close your next deal with Kevin Hill and myself every Wednesday at noon Eastern time on Freight Waves LinkedIn, Facebook, and Freight Waves TV. Tune in to Put That Coffee Down, the freight sales podcast for closers. Welcome back to Great Quarter, guys. Uh, apologies on that little mishap before the commercial break. Luckily for us and for everyone watching, that is the last commercial of the day. Uh, we still have Ryan Schreiber on the phone. We're talking a little bit about uh, the different strategies employed during a recession by different companies. Let's talk a little bit about the problems with being too aggressive, Ryan. What, uh, what, do you, what, can, what are the problems that positive group think and everybody gaining some sales during the recession can do to a company? What's, what's the problem there? You know, personally, I think uh, the natural inclination is to be overly conservative. So if you're going to be one or the other, I think it's a little it's better to err on the side of 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 being overly aggressive. And the data and the data did bear that out. Twenty one percent versus twenty six percent of companies who were super, uh, you know, the first number being overly conservative and the second one being overly aggressive. But it goes back to the whole point of being intentional. If you're just, it's a scattershot approach. And so it's essentially just luck, whether you happen to do it correctly or incorrectly uh, in terms of who you want to be in the future. So really the, really what we've, what this article says and what we've been seeing recently is how to prioritize, how to be intentional to make smart investments in who you want to be in the future. So Ryan, uh, Carrier Direct is a consultant. What are you finding out? Because you're out there talking to a lot of trucking and logistics companies. On the spectrum of offense and defense and progressive, where do you find most uh, most companies in trucking and logistics? Yeah, I, you know, just like the rest of the like general economy, and just like what you saw in the article, most companies are being overly conservative, right? Most companies are slashing. Most companies are going just into a shell, um, and and certainly they're trying to make in, in, insightful. Uh, uh, choices about where they cut, but that's really difficult. If you just go in and you say, I've got to cut $4 out of my budget, you end up making really, really tough, tough choices and they can't always be right. There are still a lot of companies making smart investments. There are still companies who want to be make, uh, who are making investments. Some really interesting stuff that we're seeing, people taking a really insightful look at their compensation particularly on the intermediary side, um, because right, you you know that you're probably paying a lot of order makers like order take, uh, excuse me, order takers like order makers, and you're not paying order makers maybe enough to incentivize them to make orders. Uh, your operating model might not support that. That's some interesting stuff we're doing. And then I mentioned offshoring strategies earlier. And then those investments in technology. So if I'm going to spend and I, I know that I'm going to spend right now, let me let me let me make sure that I'm making safer bets uh, in, in that spend right now. Most certainly some difficult decisions uh, happening right now throughout the market. Thank you for talking about that. Let's talk about a little dip, little bit of a difficult decision for you. We got our long shorts coming up. Are you ready, Mr. Schreiber? I'm ready as I'll ever be. Okay. All right. So we've got two for you today. I've got two companies. We're, we're going to do companies rather than ideas today. Uh, the first one is a company that's basically benefiting from the alternative meat sale right now. The, the alternative meat sales are up 300% year over year through the first three week, for the first nine weeks uh, of of April and May. This this company also did a quick deal with uh, Starbucks in China and also did a deal with McDonald's. This is of course beyond meat. We have a lot of things going on with uh, the meat factory plants having uh, you know a lot of COVID-19 cases and they've having to be shut down. What do you think, Ryan? Are you, are you long or are you short the idea of Beyond Meat being, uh, being a competitor for Tyson to be a, a real competitor in the meat market? 
Yeah, you know what? I'm really, really, really long on meat alternatives, and and I'm a an avid meat eater, <laughs> meat eater myself. Um, but you know, knowing how difficult meat is on the environment, uh, raising meat and and then consuming meat, it's it's really difficult. And so I think uh, I certainly I uh, certainly am very very long on the on what they can do, because I think more people are going to care about that, particularly younger generations as they come up with the idea that meat is uh, you know meat alternatives is a more normal solution as opposed to older people like me who just want my steak. Kevin, what about you, man? I, I'm kind of short. I, I think uh, I, I think the alternative will grow and grow, but I think people, you know, we're built to eat meat, you know, steaks, right, Ryan? Steaks and, and, and bacon and, and all of that. So I don't think that's going to get phased out at all. So, uh, I'm with me. you, Ryan. I'm long as well. I think uh, not only am I long the idea of alternative meats, I'm long the company. I think Beyond Meat is well positioned. I think they've got good management. I like the deals they're doing with Starbucks and uh, and with McDonald's. They're also actively lowering their prices to try to compete with beef because, yeah. I mean, beef is just super cheap. Uh, so I, I like what they're doing. Uh, I'm long them. The next one is Best Buy. So, you know, this and this is coming on the hills of that online electronics uh, line on the Bank of America data being up 150% year over year. Online electronics are through the roof. There's a bunch of new gaming systems coming out, Xbox and PlayStation, uh, and the gaming industry is growing. So, Mr. Schreiber, are you are you long or are you short Best Buy, one of the one of the massive big box retailers in the U.S.? You know, had I not heard what you said a little bit ago about consumer spending, I probably would have been short on this. But but hearing that consumer spending is actually pretty robust as compared to what I would have thought it was without that data, I'm going to be long. I'm going to be long on it. I think that they certainly need to adjust uh, their strategy going forward to more of an e-commerce footprint than a store footprint. Uh, but I but I certainly think that that is an opportunity for them, and I think that I can be. I think that I'm going to be long on it. I'm long on Best Buy too. I, th- I think curbside is a new e-commerce uh, because whenever I order anything from Amazon now, it takes two or three weeks to come in. If yeah. I can just order online uh, from Best Buy, go drive curbside, the put it in my back seat and off I go. I, I think I'm very bullish on that. So very yeah, the, uh, the click it and pick it kind click of thing. I, I like it as well. I like Best Buy. I, I don't think I would have been long a couple months ago, but after seeing that electronic data, uh, the electronic online spending data go through the roof, I'm long as well. I'm, I'm, I think gaming is going to continue growing, obviously, especially I think COVID's even uh, speed sped that uh, transition up. So yeah, I'm very long Best Buy and I'm long uh, Beyond Meat as well. But yeah. But before we go, I wanted to thank you, Mr. Schreiber. Thanks for uh, joining us today, my man. Hope you have a good week. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for having me again and chatting about this. I'm glad you guys enjoyed the article. We'll talk again soon. No doubt. Definitely. And you can find Ryan on LinkedIn at Ryan Schreiber, uh, Carry Direct. All right. So what's uh, what's on the docket tomorrow? You guys are talking to put that coffee down? Yeah, we're talking to uh, truckstop.com, Trent Broberg, and talking about uh, returning to normal, maybe ending the work from home, bringing people back into the office and how that mix is and, and managing in a crisis that, that we've seen in, in the pandemic or this pandemic uh, for COVID-19. So be very interesting. Duna and I will uh, will be uh, out in, in front and, and talking about sales. Yeah, so we got a paper coming out later this week. Look out for that. Uh, we're going to compare OTBI and the consumer spending data. Y'all have a great rest of your week. See you guys.